Dynasty Theory is now a proud member of the DLF family of podcasts, and we could not be more excited. Tune in each and every week when we provide actionable advice to help you navigate through the crazy world of Dynasty Fantasy Football. We're always diving into quickly changing values, market inefficiencies, and opportunities to help you build those dynasties. Make sure you also check out the show on Twitter and Instagram at Dynasty Theory FF. Enjoy. Welcome to the DLF Dynasty Podcast with your hosts, Dan Myler, Ryan McDowell, and Matt Price. Yeah, we are the DLF Dynasty Podcast. I'm Dan, that's Matt. Over there is Ryan, and it's the week 13 edition of the pod, episode 545, and we got a lot to get to this week. The football was good, guys. The football itself was good. The injuries were not good. The fantasy scores, in a lot of cases, were not good as well. And playoff time is right around the corner, Matt. How you doing, bud? Doing well. Uh, back from a little mini vacation before we get here into the fantasy playoffs. So I got to see some a couple of really fantastic games. Uh, excited for Christian McCaffrey back as league winner. A running back one overall okay. this week, you guys. Uh, so uh, we'll have to revisit that. <laughs> uh, but how are you guys? Yeah, we're good. I'll speak for myself. I'll say I'm good. I we're recording on Monday night, and I could use some Godwin Olave magic. That's all I'm really worried about at the moment. I want to get through a good pod though, too, as well. Ryan, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing okay. You're right. The football was good. The injuries not so good. It was it was a rough week, especially at the quarterback position. It a really lot of was. a lot of injuries to to quarterbacks. Injuries and head scratching performances, and yeah. then then some surprises as well. And we're going to try to get to all that as we move around in the show. Uh, of course, we got our stash of the week uh, coming up. We're going to talk rankings. That's always a fun conversation. We got to set the line again. Oh man, somebody's on fire in that thing. And uh, we're going to do some dynasty drum beats. But first, we better hit the button. The Startup. <laughs> yeah, guys, the Startup is is about one of those quarterback injuries and really the offense that this player plays in, that San Francisco 49ers offense. Matt, you alluded to Christian McCaffrey. He is He's blowing up, right? Big games. But everything around him seems to be crumbling <laughs> at this point. Yeah, it true. really feels like Garoppolo goes down. Season is most likely over with the foot injury. I feel so horrible for him. He took the he took the discount to come back after thinking he was leaving and he, he was he was really having a good football season, right? Yep. Maybe not the fantasy QB1 that we want or top 12 guy that we want in in a dynasty asset, but a really good football season certainly in the conversation as a quarterback too in our Superflex leagues. It's it's really disheartening, I would say, is the word for me. I like Jimmy G. I, I like him as a player. He, I know he's not what dynasty managers want him to be, maybe. But uh, he always does the right thing and says the right thing. He took the back seat to Trey Lance, and I appreciated that, what he did. I just feel bad. I thought I thought he was going to have this big end, end of the season for the 49ers with that great defense and all those weapons. And that all just got taken away from him in one foul swoop. 
Yeah, it's it's certainly I mean, it's certainly frustrating. And I mean, just going back to McCaffrey a little bit, you look at that entire roster now and you think this is a, a team that's leading their division. If they hadn't made that move for Christian McCaffrey, it, it could really all be falling apart. But uh, as far as Garoppolo goes, you know, just prior to to that game on Sunday in, in which uh, in which Garoppolo got got hurt pretty early on. I mean, there were there were reports that both the 49ers and Garoppolo were interested in him returning in 2023. And, you know, the assumption had been that that would not be the case. In fact, that would seem almost impossible. Um, and we'll see how this injury and, and him uh, missing the rest of the season. Uh, we'll see how that plays out and how that impacts things. But I think it, it almost seems certain that the 49ers are going to go into the offseason season not knowing exactly who their starting quarterback will be in 2023. Yeah, so let's reset the situation there in San Francisco. Of course, Garoppolo out. Trey Lance was lost early in the season to an ankle injury. His season's over. And Brock Purdy, the rookie, Mr. Irrelevant, that everybody probably heard about all weekend long, uh, comes in and really does nice work. 25 of 37, 210 yards. A lot of checkdowns to Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel. Uh, But two touchdowns, did throw the pick, but he scored 14.3 fantasy points in week 13 in in that ball game and and really led the 49ers, surprisingly. Looked like he had enough control of that offense to distribute the football. But like I said, Matt, most of that offense went through Christian McCaffrey. Lots of checkdowns. He had eight catches. He was he was really all over the field, and and really the majority of their offense had seventeen carries as well for sixty six yards. You mentioned RB one on the week. He, the offense is going to run run through CMC the rest of the way. Yeah, especially with this young, you know, relatively inexperienced quarterback we see coming in. Um, he did have a couple of really nice throws. Uh, one that I remember was uh, like it was a third and ten. Uh, you know, close to the close to halftime, and he threw that to, that 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 first down pass to to George Kittle across the middle of the field between two defenders, and took a huge hit um, from one of the Dolphins linebackers. Um, so he, I think he's he's shown that at least you know in game one. I mean, I don't think you could ask too much more from him, but I think his bread and butter, like you said, Dan, is going to be getting it out quick to guys like Christian McCaffrey. We're going to talk about Debo in a little bit, I know, um, but he hopefully he can get on and on those short, quick passes as we know he can take the ball and what he can do after the catch. All of these guys really are after the catch specials. So Purdy's coming into a pretty fantastic situation with all of these weapons as long as they still ha- uh, remain healthy. Um, all of them are fantastic. Yak guys so he's just got to distribute and let those guys those playmakers do their jobs do we think purdy could be a super flex back and qb2 option down the stretch or are we stretching things there i think he might be i mean if well if we if we would have said this same thing about garoppolo then i would say yes um i mean we're we're seeing quarterbacks you know dropping like flies um teams that are out of contention are either, um, you know, either looking to backups or they're fudging on injuries, LA Rams and others, <laughs> um, you know, like we're seeing lots of quarterback changes take place and the quarterback that you were counting on as your QB two may not even be playing for the next, next, uh, month or so as we head into the fantasy playoffs. So, you know, almost by default, could Purdy be a quarterback too with this, uh, with those weapons that Matt mentions? Yeah, I think he could. And uh, 
I mean, the thing that stood out to me, it's it's really nothing having to do with the stat line or the fantasy score. He just looked confident. I mean, he yeah. as soon as he entered that game, yep. it felt like he had been in that role all season long. And this is a rookie, uh, I believe that was his first action of his career. Maybe maybe got some mop-up duty early, but uh, certainly the first real work of, of his career. And uh, he looked unfazed uh, against you know, one of the better teams in the league in, in Miami. Yeah, I had the same feeling, really, and uh, really felt like he had control of what was going on on the field. And uh, he took a couple of those shots that Matt mentioned and stepped right into the next throw and delivered yep. it on time. Uh, just the one interception. He did take a bad sack in the game as well, where he, he it did for a moment look like he didn't know what to do with the football Let's move on to these these pass catchers, really, because if you're if you're stacking up the the playmakers in a specific offense across the league, San Francisco has one of the best groups, trios, even foursomes, really, of playmakers. It starts with CMC. We go through the wide receivers with Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk, who certainly is a big play waiting to happen, and then George Kittle is one of the premier tight ends in the game as well. As far as fantasy options go, Matt, this looks like a murderer's row of playmakers, right? These are guys we want on our fantasy teams, but the truth is there's not enough footballs to go around in San Francisco, even when Jimmy Garoppolo was available, even when Trey Lance was on the field as well. We're seeing one, maybe two of these guys have big games at a time. Debo is the wide receiver 42 on the season, Brandon Ayuk is out targeting him of late, and George Kittle seems to disappear for big stretches of games. Dynasty managers don't know what to do when they're setting their lineup, and and this new wrinkle with Garoppolo out makes things even more difficult uh, on us all to to set our lineups. Yeah, and this office is really going to challenge us too as we head into the fantasy playoffs, where. You know, you, we always have this discussion. Do you always start your studs, even if they haven't been playing like studs, you know, for most of the season in, in Debo's case? Like, sometimes it's just hard to to stomach clicking on a box you got you picked up on waivers last week in the playoff in a one-and-done situation over their studs. Um, but it feels like McCaffrey and Ayuk are the two that are going to hit in most weeks. I mean, we're, we have a very small sample size, obviously, three quarters or whatever with Brock Purdy. So, um uh, it, it's, it's certainly not guaranteed that it's going to be those two guys, but it, it feels like two of these guys are going to get left out every single week. It's, it seems it seems like unfair of us to put uh, that Brock Purdy can support three or four fantasy weapons every single week, right? Um, but on the other hand, like it, you know that they're going the second you put them on your bench, they're going to pop up for for a big game. So it's going to be really difficult. It's a good problem to have for San Francisco, uh, and hopefully you don't have more than one or two of these guys that you're considering playing every week because otherwise uh, it's it's going to be a massive headache. I think entering the playoffs. Ryan, Debo Samuel, and for the record, I watched that game, and I, I, was, I came out uh, feeling like Debo was used properly and that he didn't look all that bad. But the truth is, he only has just three top 24 wide receiver games. He's the wide receiver 42 on the season, and dynasty managers are are really looking back at the good old days in 2022 yeah. <laughs> when he was a wide receiver one week in and week out, it felt like, and carried people to the playoffs last season. Those days might be in the past. Personally, I feel like like 
they need to get him the ball now more than ever with a rookie seventh-round quarterback behind center. And that could translate into into fantasy goodness down the stretch. But for the most part, dynasty managers are in the right, really thinking that they they might have valid concerns with Debo in the short and long term. Yeah, I think we have to. I mean, I think ultimately we'll look back at, at 2021 um, and, and that will be Debo's career year. And, and that doesn't mean uh, that he's he's not a good player or that we wouldn't want him on our dynasty rosters. Uh, but I think his peak value is uh, is ultimately last season and, and uh, early last uh, this past offseason. I don't think he gets back to that late first, second round uh, valuation when it comes to uh, thinking about startup drafts. And, and again, that's not a bad thing. That's just kind of the way it is. We, Brandon Ayuk has certainly improved. And, uh, I mean, obviously the, the acquisition of, of Christian McCaffrey, I think it impacts Debo more than any other player on the 49ers uh, from a negative standpoint. Um, but, what it, I mean, what it boils down to is last season the 49ers needed Debo Samuel to do what he did. They needed him uh, to to carry the ball and, and see so much time as uh, playing the running back position. And uh, with Ayuk improving, with, um, you know, even guys like um, Juwan Jennings stepping up, and, and, then, uh, and then again, McCaffrey, they just don't need him as much. It goes back to what you were saying about so many players as options in that offense. Who do you guys – who's the wide receiver one? On on the 49ers right now, fellas. I think it's Ayuk. I just it feels like it goes back and forth every week. I just don't know if there is a really a wide receiver one on that team. Like it's it's like one A one B or two A two B, however you want to say it. Yeah, Kittle is yeah, Kittle true. is definitely the odd man out. Like he is like three targets. I, I know they need him to block more with some issues on the offensive line and all that, but. Uh, he's somebody I would really have trouble clicking the button on. It's just the tight end position is so crazy that like, how do you not click the button on George Kittle? Cause it's George Kittle or some other scrub who's probably going to catch one touchdown and one pass and outscore George Kittle for the week. You know? Well, the difference in what we're seeing with Kittle this year is there hasn't been any in between. Yeah. Like he has, exactly. he has, he's played 10 games, I believe missed, missed a lot of time with injury. He has four games where he was the tight end seven or higher. Uh, he has six games where he was tight end 20 or worse. So even, uh, you know, even that game where he's tight end 13 and he gets you nine fantasy points where it's, it's still considered a down game, but at least it's something he's not even giving you those. It's, it's all or nothing. You're starting him and you get two catches for 14 yards and, and you're just wringing your hands with that. But what you said is exactly correct. I mean, the tight end position, it's, it's been a, a huge narrative this season and and really the past several seasons. Um, Yeah. If you've got George Kittle, you're almost certainly starting him, even knowing there's, there's a pretty low floor. Considering the cost, Ayuk at 60 overall wide receiver, 32 in November, ADP Debo all the way up there uh, at 29 overall wide receiver, 15. You mentioned his high point, Ryan, for a year ago. We're, we're probably not going to sniff that. And and I would imagine his ADP, even maybe even as quickly as this December ADP, ADP that we're collecting right now, it's going to drop 
we're, we're not going to see that kind of uh, any kind of jump from Debo moving forward. And, you know, to be honest with you, and Matt, you can comment on this. Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel are a little bit interchangeable in their roles. But it feels to me like Christian McCaffrey takes a lot more away from Debo Samuel than Debo ever could from CMC. Am I, am I off base on that? No, I don't think so. I mean, I just think it's – I think you're right in that they could be interchangeable. Like McCaffrey is is like, is like the reverse Debo Samuel, right, mm-hmm. a little bit. Like he's the running back who's the receiver. Debo's the, the receiver that's the running back. And with the Elijah Mitchell uh, injury, you know, we saw Jordan Mason grab eight carries, but Debo had four. So it, it seems to me like they may be mixing him more into the backfield, especially now that they have – uh, this really inexperienced rookie back there. So, um, but, but just to answer, I know I'm going on a tangent here, um, but uh, to answer your question simply, no, I 100% agree. Uh, McCaffrey takes way more away from Debo. I think just, I think, and I think a big part of that is is that he's getting more of the dump offs and Debo when he plays receiver, he's not necessarily getting those dump offs. They can use them on screens. They can use them over the middle of the field, but they're not using them in the same way that McCaffrey is. And then in, in, in terms of the volume in the backfield, I mean, McCaffrey's going to out, out carry uh, Debo Samuel every single week. So he's almost getting the best of the both world and worlds and Debo's kind of getting the dregs on both ends. If, if that makes sense. Yeah. That's what I'm feeling as well. Yeah. And Dan, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned ADP because I, I did mean to talk about that as, as part of the Debo IU conversation. That's another part of the problem. As far as I'm concerned, we're, we're calling these guys a toss up when you're submitting your lineup on a weekly basis um, and, you know, we can look at target numbers and fantasy numbers and whatever you want. But the the Debo value based on our ADP is not changing that much. Uh, I believe you said he was 29 overall in in uh, November, 26 overall in December. He's actually gone up a couple spots. Hmm. Brandon Ayuk is a uh, – let me find him here. He's a, a fifth rounder, so he's gaining some value as well. Uh but that that gap should be closing, and Debo's a, a, a high end uh, third rounder, you know, with guys like DeAndre Swift and Cooper Cup and Devontae Adams. So, um, to me, the the Debo value should be falling a little bit, and it's really not, at least yeah. based on our ADP. Mm, man, that's that's really surprising to me. It feels like the dynasty community is getting frustrated with Debo, but. Yeah. Uh, clearly not based on those numbers that you just brought up. Last thing on this San Francisco offense, guys. Uh, who's the starting quarterback in week one next season, Ryan? Uh, Trey Lance. Matt? I think Trey Lance, too. I think I think if Garoppolo had finished the season strong, then we would have a real conversation. Uh, yeah. But, I mean, I think they would have had to pay him far too much to really consider seriously consider it. But as it stands, like with, with Garoppolo missing the rest, I think it's a lock now that it's going to be Lance. Yeah, it's going to be Lance. I agree as well. And, and you know, I thought it was going to take not only a deep playoff run from Garoppolo to unseat him, but maybe even a Super Bowl title for Garoppolo to get the contract and then take over. Uh, I don't think that's in the cards at this point. In fact, I, I think it's it's maybe more likely that Garoppolo comes back as a reserve again next year because of the injury. Because maybe this injury uh, hurts his chances of getting that contract from another team once again. We'll see how that plays out. Sleeper Stash of the Week. 
Yeah, it's time for the Sleeper Stash of the Week, where we take a look at a player outside the top 200 in Dynasty ADP that you should consider stashing. Ryan, who we got this week? Yeah, looking at a rookie this week uh, and, and this time of year, I think a lot of those rookies that have disappointed or maybe haven't seen the field, those are the players you want to be grabbing and stashing as the offseason approaches. One of those guys is Desmond Ritter, the Falcons quarterback. Uh, the Falcons are on bye this coming week, uh, but I do think uh, I think we'll see him on the field very soon, maybe even as the starter uh, in place of uh, in place of Marcus Mariota. Uh, Ritter is the quarterback twenty nine right now, two hundred and twenty five overall. Uh, that's in our one quarterback ADP, of course, in Superflex, probably. Uh, almost certainly already rostered in your league. Um, so, yeah, I think, like I said, I think we'll see Desmond Ritter on the field post by for the Falcons. Yeah, hopefully he gets his chance. We'll see how long the Falcons are able to stay in the playoff race. I thought when you said rookie and you said quarterback, I thought you were taking the easy way out and going with Brock Purdy, but you uh, you, you sidestepped that one. Uh, Desmond Ritter is our stash of the week brought you. Brought to you by Sleeper Fantasy, the fastest-growing fantasy football platform in the world. It's built around a mobile interface, so it's easy to do everything league-related from your mobile phone, no matter how complicated your league or how many leagues you play in. Join millions of players today on Sleeper, the number one fantasy football platform. Dynasty Rankings. Let's talk rankings, guys, and we really need to examine and, and maybe maybe challenge our current DLF dynasty rankings. So let's go position by position. Ryan, you picked uh, some head-to-head matchups for for each position group and on who is currently the uh, the incumbent really at a specific spot in our ADP and maybe who should be challenging that player for that spot in the average draft position that we collect over at DLF. So let's kick it off at the quarterback position, guys, and start well, really right at top, right at the top. Quarterback three, currently Justin Herbert takes up that spot, Ryan, and and maybe we should consider Jalen Hurts, who's just been on a tear over Herbert. Uh, it seems like a valid, valid opposition right here. Uh, certainly a guy, if I was in a startup right now, I'm taking Jalen Hurts over Justin Herbert. And I don't even think it's all that close. Yeah, I don't either, uh, actually. And, uh, you mentioned our, our ADP, um, we, we really want to focus on our own DLF dynasty rankings today, but this is actually true in both rankings and and our ADP, so uh, both what we're giving you on on our site as well as what the community is telling us uh, is that Justin Herbert is valued ahead of Jalen Hurts, and obviously it's close, but uh, but I'm just surprised to see it that way. Obviously uh, and honestly, we're we've seen that that huge breakout season, and it's it's hard to even call it a breakout season from Jalen Hurts because he just has picked up where he left off. He's been better with the additions they've made there uh, better and more consistent. Um, but I mean, really the only difference between these two guys is draft capital. And at some point we have to let that go and base uh, our dynasty values off what we're seeing on the field. And, and Jalen Hurts is outproducing almost every single quarterback uh, and, and certainly including 
Justin Herbert. So for me, uh, Jalen Hurts is locked in as that quarterback three, and uh, I think we should I think we should flip flop those in our rankings and in ADP as well. Matt Hurts is is at four and Herbert's at three. I'd argue that maybe Hurts is closer to Patrick Mahomes at two than Herbert at what should be four in my rankings. How do you feel about the Hurts Herbert uh, debate? Yeah, Herbert for me is a full tier below. I have a, a top tier of six guys, and Herbert falls into a second tier at quarterback seven, along with Joe Burrow and Tua Tagovailoa. So I 100% agree. I mean, it, to me, it's it's all about the the rushing upside. I think. We haven't seen that unlocked from, from Justin Herbert yet. We saw it a little bit in his rookie season, a little bit in his sophomore season. But this season, um, he doesn't have a rushing game higher than 38 yards. Um, and he only has one, two, three. He only has five double-digit rushing games. So it's just not there. for. So he, he basically has to have the, that huge passing game every single week. And with these wide receiver injuries that have gone on all season long, whether it's Williams or Allen or both, um, you know, guys like Josh Palmer has had to step up. So uh, you would think in that scenario, maybe they would work a little bit more of, of, of Herbert's uh, athletic rushing ability into the game plan, but it just haven't, hasn't materialized yet. So to me, there's absolutely no case for Herbert over Hertz at this point. Yeah, Justin Herbert, the quarterback nine in fantasy scoring coming into the week and in, into week 13. Uh, no updates on that just yet, but uh, hurts all the way up at three, and really it's a tier of three guys. Mahomes, Josh Allen, and Jalen Hurts, really elite scorers. Then there's a tier break before you get to Joe Burrow and Lamar Jackson. Even Geno Smith has scored more fantasy points in 2022 than Justin Herbert. So I think it's a, it's a good conversation to have, but uh, dynasty managers need to start uh, thinking twice before clicking Justin Herbert's name as the QB3 rather than Jalen Hurts. Let's move on to the running back position. And uh, this is an interesting one, Ryan. You, you threw, the, threw us a little bit of a curveball. The RB1 currently in our rankings is Jonathan Taylor. I don't think anybody's going to argue that too, ha- too hard. Maybe somebody would say, oh, you're probably going to bring up Brees Hall's name, maybe Kenneth Walker's name next. You added the name... Bijan Robinson, and for those who don't know, he, of course, is that 101 uh, elite um, up-and-coming future rookie uh, in next year's rookie class. Talk to me about Bijan Robinson and why he should maybe be considered the 101 already among running backs. Yeah, this one is definitely uh, cheating a little bit. We can't can't really... Uh... At least can't officially rank Bijan Robinson as as the RB one or, or really anywhere in our running back rankings. We hope, uh, you know, we hope he's part of this 2023 class. But with some of these decisions we're seeing early in this offseason process from from college players, I'm I am starting to get a little bit nervous that um, maybe not specifically Robinson, but some of the top rookies or uh, expected rookies that we were counting on may end up staying in school. Uh, specifically on Robinson, though, I, I, I think the the opportunity is there for him to be valued as the dynasty RB1 really from day one. Uh, from, from the moment he, uh, I was going to say from the moment he's drafted, but even before that, you know, we start including these rookies in our rankings in, in February once the entire draft class is is settled and, and clear. Uh, they will start being in our ADP as well at that point. And 
I mean, the resume that, that Robinson has built up at, at Texas, go, uh, going along with what we've seen from um, from Jonathan Taylor and from some of the other running backs who might challenge for that RB1 spot, I think it's all leading to Robinson being valued as the RB1. And, and part of that's going to be that rookie hype that we see every year. And part of it certainly is is the talent that he possesses to really do it to really do it all. I mean, he's, he's kind of uh, that Taylor type prospect, but I think he's actually even a little more w- well-rounded than, than Jonathan Taylor. There's, you know, still concerns about his role in the passing game and things like that. Uh, to me, there's not going to be any questions about Bijan Robinson. I, I don't know if I would necessarily put him at running back one, speaking of Bijan Robinson, but I think he's in that top tier. And I just think the real problem is that there's not a clear running back one at the position, right? right. Now. I think you can make an argument for six different guys and I'm happy to throw Bijan Robinson out there. In fact, uh, this is, I'm, I'm putting you guys on the spot here, but if you had to guess, what do you think Jonathan Taylor is right now in terms of running back rankings on the season based on production? Oh man, that is tough. I will say running back 20. You pretty much nailed it. You pretty much oh, okay. nailed it. I'm not even going to let you answer, Ryan. <laughs> it's running back 20, running back 21 uh, overall in term, entering. Sorry, I should say entering week uh, 13. This is before the week 13 games, but I can't imagine he didn't score a touchdown this week, so can't imagine he moved too far up that or down. So he's in that early 20s, late teens kind of range right now on the season, and that does not seem like a guy that I'm going to keep at the running locked in at the running back one overall position. Yeah, that's fair. And, you know, personally, I would still rank Taylor there myself uh, just because of the, the like drastic upside. And uh, I really like the workload he's gotten since the coaching staff change. But uh, we'll see how it goes throughout the offseason and what happens in 2023. Bijan Robinson is fun to watch. If you guys haven't watched Bijan just yet, uh, just just go hit a highlight tape on YouTube because uh, he makes some jaw-dropping plays for sure. Let's move on to the wide receiver position. This is a fun one, especially for Matt, and I'll let you take it right away. Wide receiver four right now in DLF rankings is C.D. Lamb. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, challenger, Jalen Waddell, who comes in just uh, just a spot below, and, and maybe we could... We could throw a bunch of names into this, actually, because Lamb comes in at four, Waddle at five, T. Higgins at six currently, and then you get all those veterans like Tyreek and Devontae Adams and Cooper Cup. Um, but Waddle is a guy that's near and dear to your heart, Matt, dealing with an injury right now. But man, when he is right, he is electric on the field for the Dolphins and certainly worthy of this conversation against CeeDee Lamb for who's more valuable in Dynasty. Yeah, I, I kind of think they're in a similar, if not the same exact tier. I have Waddle at wide receiver four and, and Lamb at wide receiver six. Um, Chris Olave just behind Lamb there. So I think there's an argument for him to be higher than Lamb as well. Um, so I personally prefer Waddle, but if you want CD Lamb, I, I mean, it's, I think it's fine. I think they're in a similar tier. They're not in that top tier with Justin Je- Jefferson and Jamar Chase, certainly. Uh, I mean, I, I, so I think some people are starting to throw A.J. Brown at that top tier with those two. I think he's still in that, that, that second tier with those other guys. Um, but maybe, actually, maybe that means maybe means Lamb should be a tier below um, guys like A.J. Brown and Jalen Waddle. So uh, I talked myself out of it. I think Waddle is clearly <laughs> is clearly ahead of Lamb at this point. Ryan? Yeah, I do as well. I do as well. And um, 
I mean, Lamb held down that that wide receiver three spot basically all offseason behind Chase and Jefferson, and you know, it was challenged over and over by by people in the dynasty community. Why are we valuing this guy so highly? And and I think ultimately the answer was, who else is it going to be? And not that it couldn't be anybody else, not that it couldn't be A.J. Brown stepping up on a new team or Jalen Waddell continuing to produce, even though Tyree Kill was there now, or or one of these rookies stepping up and surprising like Chris Olave has done. All of those were options. It was just uh, it was just hard to project when you're thinking about rankings or ADP exactly which one of those it would be. So I, I think Lamb ultimately is <clears> – <throat> is still valued this highly because that's where he was uh, all off season. He hasn't necessarily earned this ranking. In my opinion, I'm with Matt. I don't think he's four. I'm not even sure he's five, uh, you know, six or, or even lower. I've got a lava over him as well. Uh, Matt. He is, he is uh, just behind again, entering week 13. I don't have uh, these numbers tabulated yet, but just entering week 13, he's the wide receiver seven right behind Jalen Waddle at wide receiver six. So I, I don't, I don't know. I, I personally feel Waddle is the, is more valuable dynasty asset, but I could understand if somebody didn't. Yeah. I'm a little bit surprised at how you guys, how you guys have, uh, pushed down the value of lamb a little bit. Um, he, man, I've watched his entire game three times in the last few weeks and I've come away impressed all three times it, that game against green Bay. He dominated that secondary. It, it, it was, it was something like 10 for 150 and a couple of touchdowns. And then just the other night on Sunday night football against the Colts, uh, really looked good again. Didn't get a lot of opportunities, but they didn't need him all that much. Yeah. He, he he made the most of his. In fact, just pulled up his stats. Five catches, 71 in that touchdown where he, he rolled over the, the tackler. But um, <laughs> And then the Giants game a couple of weeks ago. Six for 106 and should have scored a touchdown in that game as well. He, he can get open. I, I love guys that create that separation and CD lamb is one of the best in the league at it. I really do feel like he belongs in the conversation. If not already uh, should be that number four. I can, I can make the argument for number five. I certainly like Alave and some of these young guys as well. Um, but Matt, you mentioned the, the scoring outside of those veterans, Diggs and, and Adams and Tyreek Hill, there's really only and, and Cooper Cup as well, who is who is dynamite before the injury. Um, really, only Justin Jefferson and Jalen Waddle, who's just a couple points ahead of him, have outscored Ceedee Lamb. So he's got the youth, he's got the offense, he's got the quarterback, he's really got everything we look for. He belongs in the top five at the position, in my opinion. Dan, Dan, do you think there's any merit to arguing? Okay, I mean. Jalen Waddle is just ahead of CeeDee Lamb, but he also has Tyreek Hill on his team. So he's doing what he's doing with another stud wide receiver. Sure. And that may make it easier for for Waddle to produce in some regards, but he's certainly not getting the target volume necessarily of a true NFL wide receiver one like uh, like like Lamb probably is. And I probably should have looked up exactly how many targets each one of those had before I started talking. Um, but just just, you know what I mean? Like he's doing that with another stud on the team and Lamb is clearly the the guy. Yeah, and the thing about that, I think that is valid, but if the thing about it is that's not going to change. Lamb, or excuse me, Waddle's going to stay there. Tyreek's not going anywhere. Tua's going to be there. That coaching staff's not going anywhere as well. 
Um, this is something where where it really feels like they could they could be just reaching their potential uh, in that offense in in Miami. Lamb is the wide receiver seven on the season. That's post uh, week thirteen. One hundred eleven targets for him. Uh, and Waddle has 90 targets. Uh, Waddle has dropped to the wide receiver nine. So Lamb just ahead of, of Waddle on season-long uh, total, total fantasy points. And, and I didn't mean – I mean, I don't think Matt or I are, are, are totally bashing C.D. Lamb here. I mean, this is a guy I've got on lots of my rosters. Uh, I obviously think he's very good. He's, he's in, definitely in the conversation to be a top-five dynasty wide receiver. I mean, the, the point of, of this – discussion is looking at high-end players and seeing if we need to flip-flop I mean I think with Herbert it's a matter of kind of holding on to those priors specifically draft capital and maybe that's the reason we haven't pushed Hertz above Herbert and uh, with Lamb and Waddle I think it's the same thing but rather than NFL draft status I think we're looking at that ADP and we know that CD Lamb was the wide receiver three basically for the past year uh, and maybe he's hanging on to that and, and, you know, kind of being propped up by that. So uh, do I think he's the, the wide receiver four? No, but I think he's the five or six. So, I, I mean, maybe we're nitpicking a little bit here. Yeah, yeah we are. And, and th- that's all fair. Everything you just said is fair. And we've mentioned a lot of names here, uh, including, in- including Waddle and Lamb and, and uh, T Higgins and Alave and a couple others. We uh, we can't move on without me me mentioning Amon Ross St. Brown in that in that tier as well because mm-hmm. he's he's right up there as well. Last position we need to cover tight end. Matt, you got to lead us off here too Ugh. because Kyle Pitts ranked at tight end two. Travis Kelsey the challenge. Why is Travis Kelsey the challenger? That's oh, that's <laughs> something's backwards here. He's at tight end three in the rankings, and I think this one's insane. Yeah, I mean, I, I I'm clearly far biased. I can't have an honest conversation. About this. <laughs> I need to I need to adjust my rankings because I still have Pitts number one. And that's clearly not the case, right? Obviously, I mean, I, I mean, I guess you could make an argument that Kelsey's the, the tight end one right now. With Andrews uh, struggling a little bit with the injury, and now Lamar Jackson hurt, uh, and Kelsey continuing to do Kelsey things. So, um, I mean, I, I think absolutely Kelsey is. I don't know, man. I, I want to say Kelsey <laughs> should absolutely be ranked ahead of Pitts, but you're getting a 10-year discount, and I know Pitts has not performed, but no, I don't think anybody could have seen the lack of passing volume in that offense. We've seen the th- we've seen the, the the low lights, I guess you can call them, where Mar- Mariota misses him uh, all the time, high, low. Every, like there has been so many uh that some people are calling them prayer yards now because because Mariota can't hit Kyle Pitts, <laughs> but Kyle Pitts is. is is he, you said running wind spirits? I forget who you said says that uh, rebar or something like that. That's yeah, basically Reeves. what it's been out there with the volume in this offense. So I just don't think we have seen the full potential of Kyle Pitts. He has another season under his belt of learning the NFL, learning uh, the system, which hopefully changes once they get a real quarterback in there. Uh, so I, I think you have to say it's Kelsey, but like I mean, ask me to you know week one of next season and Pitts is tight end one again, you know. <laughs> I, I think this is, you know, is a snapshot of the problem or a problem with dynasty rankings, because, yeah. um, I mean, if you're talking about a short term window, this is not even a discussion we're having. No. Um, 
And and then you need to define short term window inside of that though, because there are too many dynasty managers that think short term window is the next five weeks trying to win a title. But the truth is, with Kelsey, he's shown nothing that should make anybody think he won't be a top three tight end for multiple seasons beyond this year. Right. And just the the subjectivity of dynasty rankings or dynasty ADP. Um, it's such it's such a challenge. I mean, it's it's tough for uh, for people to put together. You know, if you're posting those on DLF or on uh, you know whatever your site or your Patreon or Twitter or whatever it is, or if you're talking about it on your podcast, you're putting that out there and, and committing to it. And there's so much that goes into that, right? Like if you play with a, I mean, we mentioned that window term. Do you know? Do you play with a? a a three-year window, a five-year window, which that that was kind of a trend years ago. And I mean, a five-year window now just seems laughable, honestly. Uh, <laughs> a three-year window seems like a stretch. We're almost playing playing this game as redraft with a with a focus on youth, and and that's kind of what dynasty has turned into. And that's that's why Kyle Pitts, or one reason why Kyle, why Kyle Pitts has had such value and maintained such value even through his struggles, through his injury, is because he's 21 years old still. Um, maybe turned 22, but regardless, he just still, turned 22, yeah. yeah, just turned 22, still super young and, and 10 years younger than Travis Kelsey. So, um, yeah, in five years, is Kyle Pitts going to be worth more? Certainly. I'm, I'm 98% confident in that, <laughs> but that's a long, long time from right now. Um, so... I mean, maybe when you, you know, as a consumer, as a dynasty player, when you're looking at dynasty rankings, find those people that that you trust that that play the game like you do, at least as far as as you can find out or as long as as far as you can learn um, and trust those people. But to blindly trust dynasty rankings is is a tough thing. And this this is why Kyle Pitts versus Travis Kelsey. There, there's such an art to it. Like it, it, we can bring in all the analytics and everything, but ranking and rankings, it's, it's also why we all probably hate doing rankings because there's like, you know, everybody values age differently. Everybody values production differently. Like, and, and meshing those two, two things together. Like there's not an, I mean, maybe there is, but I don't know about it. And I've certainly haven't used it an analytics for like kind of figuring out like what the best, combination of those two things are it just it's, everything in dynasty depends on something else what is the state of your roster you know like if i'm a complete rebuilding team i probably don't want travis kelsey on my team because not only is he scoring points for a team that i don't want to score points uh but he's old and he's going to retire at some point but probably close to when i'm ready to compete in, in, a, in a couple of years right so uh it's 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 just really tough and you you uh presented that argument very well ryan yeah, he certainly did. And, you know, the thing I go back to with all of this is we all watched Tony Gonzalez finish his career, right? And he was the best tight end we all saw as as a fantasy player for so many years. And he finished his career at, I think, 37 years old. I think he was 37 or 38. He had 119 targets and caught 83 balls for 859 yards and eight touchdowns that year. And he was depleted at that point in his career, yeah. right? So, like, even if Kelsey takes a massive step back from what he is right now, he's still going to be the tight end two or tight end three. Yeah. Yeah. 
on that season. I really do feel that way, and and I just don't think dynasty players are looking at it with with that kind of feel. I, I do think that in a month from now, when all the dynasty seasons are over and the and the NFL regular season is over, I That's think the you're going to be able to trade. You're going to be able to trade Kyle Pitts for Travis Kelsey plus in in oh, so yeah. many leagues, so many yeah, leagues. I think I do. And, I mean, and looking at it from a play perspective, unless it's just like a hey, I want to retire before my body gives out or whatever, you know, one of those kind of scenarios. Why would he? Why would he give up playing with Patrick Mahomes for the next? If he wants to play to thirty-seven like Gonzalez did, why would he not do that? You know, like there's no better situation for him. And why wouldn't he catch 80 balls and 1,000 yeah. yards and 10 touchdowns? It's going to happen. You're not wrong. Guys. It's time to set the line. All right. Our uh, Dynasty ranking segment went a little over on time. So let's get through this line. Um, the, the truth is everything hasn't really been shaken out just yet. Uh, this week we're waiting on Chris Godwin on Monday Night Football, but at this point I went two and zero. Matt, you were one and zero, waiting on Godwin again. Uh, Ryan, you're zero and one. So at this point we got a new leader, new leader in the clubhouse. Fourteen and ten. Uh, that's me, Ryan. You're thirteen and ten. So if Godwin catches eight balls, you're in good shape. Matt. You're down there in the basement, 11 and 12. So uh, why don't you kick us off this week? You are on a tear. Are you like 6-0 or 8-0 over the last three or four I weeks? I think I've gotten 8 in a row. got to be something yeah. like that. That's that's just ridiculous. All right. <laughs> Way to go. Um, what do you win? <laughs> nothing. So what? No, absolutely nothing. <laughs> Certainly not the respect of Ryan McDowell, Ryan, it seems. <laughs> Ryan, Ryan and I will roll our eyes and... We'll never do this segment again in any other season. <laughs> no, just kidding. Um, okay. Uh, Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott. On the season, entering uh, this week, uh, not including this week's stats, uh, Tony Pollard was running back 10. Ezekiel Elliott is running back 27. On Sunday Night Football, Pollard finished as the running back 2 for the week and Zeke as the running back 9. Next week, the Cowboys play the Houston Texans. So I'm going to set the line for both of these players to finish above uh, as top 15 running backs. So I guess the line is 15 and a half. Mm. That's a, that's so they a good both line. have to be inside the top 15. Too. They both have to be inside the top 15 for you to say, if you're going to say, uh, I guess over. <laughs> I guess that would be over. That would be over, I would say. So, um, or better, we could call it. Uh so the the Texans have been um, picked on, I would say, by by fantasy players and especially daily players for the entirety of the season uh, until week eleven, where we all were saying Brian Robinson and Antonio Gibson, yep, they'll get it, they'll do it. Uh, yeah, they, they they didn't really do it. The Texans really shut him down. And then then a week later, we were all saying Jeffrey Wilson. He's the guy. He's going to blow up against that Houston defense and uh, 39 rushing yards and, and really didn't uh, didn't put up the numbers, although he got hurt. And then then again, this this week, um, we we thought that that was the matchup we were going to get, we were going to get a big performance um, on, uh, on Sunday for against that Texans defense. When, 
oh forgive me when Nick Chubb took on took on that Houston Texans defense and Chubb really laid an egg as well. So I don't know how anybody can say both are going to finish in the top fifteen. I'm going to take one of them being over or under or whatever it is. Um, yeah, that's that's a good call, Dan. Looking at their numbers, they haven't uh, haven't allowed a running back to have a top sixteen performance in the past three weeks. Uh, the Houston Texans. Uh, you know, I think I think just for gamesmanship, I got to go against you on this one. Uh, Zeke and Pollard have basically been splitting touches, um, and and this past week was not the first time they they both have performed well uh, together. So I'm I'm gonna go opposite. I guess that makes me over, uh, and you and under. All right, Ryan, you got a line for us. I do. This one's, I guess, a little risky. We'll see how this plays out. But Lamar Jackson, we mentioned that injury, uh, knee injury, and he's been called week to week. I think it's safe to assume he does not play in week uh, 14 versus the Pittsburgh Steelers. Tyler Huntley would get the start. And looking back at his uh, game started last year when, uh, when Lamar was hurt, he ran the ball a lot. So the line is going to be 56 and a half rushing yards for Tyler Huntley against the Pittsburgh Steelers. That was his average in his game started last year. Mm. And, uh, you know, there's really not a whole lot to go off of as far as that Steelers defense against rushing quarterbacks. They're playing the likes of Matt Ryan a couple weeks ago and Burrow and Andy Dalton. Um, I guess Jalen Hurts way back in week eight was the last time we saw a true rushing quarterback. He had 10 rushing yards against that defense, Matt. Which way are you going? I'm going to, I'm going to say over Dan, I'm going to, I'm going to take the over on that. The lack of weapons in the receiving game outside of Mark Andrews, who, who Huntley also fed pretty well last season, if I remember correct. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll take the over. Yeah, man, I'm I'm just rolling through all of these games and looking at what these rushing quarterbacks do against this Pittsburgh defense. And the the leader so far is Josh Allen way back in week five with 42 rushing yards. So this Pittsburgh defense, I think, does a nice job of keeping these quarterbacks in the pocket. I think they'll do it. So I'm going to. I'm going to go the under and uh, say T.J. Watt keeps him keeps him contained. I got the last line for this week since I am the leader. Uh, Amon Ross St. Brown. He is he's very, very good. Um, the line is going to be 21.9 fantasy points next week. 11 catches, 114 yards, and two touchdowns this past week on 12 targets. He gets Minnesota, guys, next week. They're 30th against wide receivers. On the season, of course, the Vikings got torched by Garrett Wilson last week. Uh, in Week 12, he had eight catches for 162 yards on 15 targets. Even Corey Davis had five catches on 10 targets for 85 yards. So what do you think? ARSB, is he over or is he under? Give me the line one more time. 21? 21.9. 21.99, actually. We got to 
Um, I am going to say, uh, I'll say under. Okay. Good. Good. Because I'm going to say over. Okay. In the last four games, ARSB, 24.9 points a game. He's cleared it three times. Of course, had 34.6 last week, 27.9 the week before. The only time he's been under that number was three weeks ago when he had just 15. He didn't find the end zone that week. Uh, but man, that guy is really good. Dynasty drum beats. Yeah, let's cover some of the topics that we haven't quite gotten to so far in this show. Um, things that certainly are worthy of being talked about. And the first one, guys, should be going all the way back in the Wayback Machine to Thursday night and James Cook. He His role continues to grow. In fact, uh, we probably should have been talking about James Cook over the last couple of weeks because it seems like every week he gets a little week he gets a little bit more put on his plate and he looks explosive, looks really good. In fact, I watched that football game on Thursday night and you saw the Josh Allen turn around and hand it to Singletary on one play. And you knew it was Singletary having watched Cook the few plays before that. Cook 14 carries for 64 yards in that ball game, but was the preferred pass catcher out of the backfield. Six catches for 41 yards and just looks good doing it, right? Even going back the week prior, uh, or I should say a couple weeks prior against Cleveland where he had 11 carries on 86 for 86 yards and once again, looked good doing it. He looks like the best tailback in that offense, Ryan, and looks like a guy who might, if his role continues to increase, lead dynasty managers to, to a title potentially down the stretch. Yeah, Cook is really feeling like uh, one of those players who could see his offseason dynasty value just explode right. uh, if this if this trend continues. And it's not a um, it's it's not even necessarily a true breakout or like an out of nowhere uh, performance. This has been steadily growing and, and his role has been gr- growing and uh they haven't tried to hand him too much they've kind of had that luxury between singletary being the solid veteran that he is and and even the acquisition of uh naheem hines as as kind of a, a backup option uh or, or a you know a emergency situation uh they haven't needed him because james cook has has stepped up and we knew he could catch the ball. I mean, so many uh, analysts and, and draft Knicks called him the best pass-catching running back in the class, so that part is not really a surprise. But to see him run the ball with, with success, yeah, even even up the middle, uh, to me has been the most impressive thing. And, and you're right, he's, he's starting to look like the best back on that team. Yeah, clearly the acquisition of Naheem Hines was just a ploy to motivate <laughs> James Cook, I think, because Naheem Hines, his stat line so far with Buffalo is uh, four carries for negative eight yards as, as a rusher and just two catches uh, for 30 yards. So he's not involved. He's not part of this game plan. He's clearly the backup. Uh, and James Cook is the most explosive and most exciting player in that backfield. So um, I think if I did have him on my roster and he does spike up into that, like, I don't know, top 15 range. And maybe he's already there for some people. And maybe I probably should need to up, update my rankings on him. Um, but I'm probably going to sell at that level, I think. Um, but yeah, I don't really know what else to say about him. He's a fan, He's a really fun player to watch and the best player in that backfield. 
for sure. Let's move on to another running back, uh, Najee Harris in Pittsburgh. He has 85 or more rushing yards or a touchdown in four straight games and certainly has been a bigger part of the Pittsburgh offense and has looked better doing it, really, Ryan, over these the last month or so. Hasn't had that, that big blow-up game, hasn't had that 100-yard game, but a couple of times been over five yards a carry. Uh, of course, scoring touchdowns as well, three touchdowns in the last three weeks. He's not a big part of the pass passing game just yet which is something that he was a bigger part of a year ago of course that was with Big Ben at quarterback just six catches over the last four weeks for Najee Harris but retaining some of the value that maybe he lost over the first couple months of the season yeah I think so I mean we were and and I was certainly among this group we were so quick to bury him uh that that first four six weeks or so um and I mean, I still don't ever think he gets back to where he was last off season where, uh, I mean, all of us agreed that he should not be a first round dynasty startup pick, but month after month, we saw him pick there in our ADP. We saw him pick there in, in actual drafts that we were participating in and, and monitoring. So it just seemed like such an obvious call. I'm, I think that almost has maybe made us uh, too aggressive in, in dropping his value. But yeah, now he's back. I mean, he's in that low end RB one range, probably. Um, maybe in maybe in top fifteen, top sixteen. That's that's probably where he belongs. And um, so yeah, it's it's good to see him bounce back. I think. Yeah, I agree. I think we overreacted probably a little bit. Um, but you know, he's still uh, he, he's still twenty four years old. He's still just barely a few months younger than somebody like Josh Jacobs. So. Uh, I mean, it, we have to factor in age with the running back position. So I, I don't think he's ever getting back to that top eight kind of kind of status, especially with this new class coming in. But I think Ryan's right somewhere in that, like, I don't know, 13 to 17 range is probably just fine for, for Najee. How about Brian how Robinson? Value... Oh, go ahead. Sorry. How do you value Harris versus a guy like Derrick Henry? Yeah, that's tough. I mean, I have him below him right now, uh, but rankings need to be updated. I probably would move him up uh, ahead of Henry at this point, especially considering Henry's disappointed the last, what, three games now, at least two games. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, I mean, I, I acquired him in a couple of leagues for the playoffs thinking, like, let's go. We're ready to go with Henry in this December narrative again, and uh, that hasn't worked out. So I think, you, I think he probably belongs to be ahead of Henry at this point. Let's move on to Brian Robinson. Um, he seems to have that number one spot, the lead back role there in Washington, 15 or more carries in each of the past four games with at least 86 rushing yards in three of four, Matt. He's he's a guy that we've talked about regularly on the show, and we feel like maybe there's a more talented running back, or at least appears to be a more talented runner in that backfield, but that coaching staff prefers Robinson. Yeah, I just don't know. I just don't know how much like he's he's. I just don't think he's a special player. I think he's kind of a plug and play, reliable kind of grindy type 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 of running back. And I just think in that situation, he's never going to get uh, really any of the pass catching. I think he caught two balls on two targets this past week. So I think like that's probably you know two two catch two targets two catches probably near his his ceiling in the receiving game. So if he's going to be splitting carries with Gibson, which I know he got uh, I think twenty carries to to Gibson's ten or nine or ten or something this week, so it, it it's kind of flipped a little bit. 
uh, in terms of the even split, but he's just, I don't know. He's just not, I just don't think he's, he's my type of player. So um, he's that kind of low end, maybe mid running back too. And I think that's probably where he's going to stay most of his relevant career. I'd argue that maybe he, he's going to be closer to that high end RB three range, but 21 carries for 96 yards certainly looks good in your scoring uh, on your fantasy team for sure. Last guy we should talk about here. And we have to talk about him, guys. Deshaun Watson, he did not look good in his debut. Of course, taking a couple seasons off is going to do that. 12 for 22 passing, 131 yards. He bounced in more passes than than you would have, Ryan, if you were out there playing for the Browns. Uh, just 5.3 fantasy points in the game, Ryan. Watson did not help your fantasy team and didn't uh, didn't help the guys that play for the Browns on your fantasy team either. No, not at all. And, yeah, I mean, you're right. Obviously, obviously but basically two years off, we shouldn't be surprised by this. Uh, um, I mean, I, I guess we have to assume it's going to improve. I don't know how quickly that happens. Uh, I mean, right. It can't get much worse, but um, uh, you have to want after that game, you have to wonder uh, how long does it take? Like, is he going to be a fantasy starter at all this season? You know, you think of uh, training camp plus plus preseason. These guys are getting six or seven weeks together practicing every day. Um, I know he was able to start practicing with the team. I believe it was a couple weeks ago, but he certainly hasn't been there all season. So we we may be talking about three or four weeks the rest of the fantasy season as his acclimation period and uh, basically not fantasy relevant um, at all this year. So I don't know. This is a tough one. Uh, I would not be I would not be using him next week, though, for sure. Yeah, against that Bengals defense next week, that that could be rough, and it's it's certainly wait and see at this point. He's not even on the quarterback two grid right now in super flex leagues, I would say. Uh, but all you know, not many not many teams with Deshaun Watson on their team are really contending for playoff spots at this point, most likely. Uh, that's going to do it for our time here on the DLF Dynasty Podcast for Matt and Ryan. I'm Dan. Thanks for listening. Uh, we really appreciate you and we'll catch you again next week. Thank you for listening to the DLF dynasty podcast. Please remember to rate and review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.